This is the Strength Anger Podcast, part of the Berserker Strength Radio Network, featuring APF Illinois State Chairman Eric Stone, as well as AAPF AWPC Powerlifter Robert Bain. We are coming at you from 2XL Powerlifting in Lombard, Illinois, and you can find this podcast online on anchor.fm. Welcome to the Strength and Anchor Podcast. We have yet another bonus episode for you. We're trying to bring uh, as much as we can to everybody with the COVID-19 situation going on. Uh, testing a few new things out, so we got some video going, and we got a very special guest here in the uh, Strength and Anchor studios. That is, of course, my co-host, Eric Stone, and Mr. Motor Doc himself, Howard Penrose. How you doing, Howard? Doing great. That's awesome. Wonderful. <laughs> Don't forget to talk right in the mic there, Howard, so we can hear you. Yep, yep. So... Awesome. So, and Eric, it's good to see you again, as always. Yep. Seems like we've been seeing each other more often than not lately, at least as far as uh, seeing other people other than the people in your house. Yeah, yeah. I would say it's up there. You and, and Nicole are probably the people I see the most right now. Right. So, uh, which, I don't know how we feel about that yet. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know how your wife feels about that? or uh, I'll be honest. Nick, Nick is... I won't say she's succumbing to the media, but I know she is definitely more concerned this week than she was two weeks ago with everything going on. Sure. So that uh, that is what it is. So uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, we're going to dive in. We got some some interesting stuff to cover today. Uh, obviously, this is all coming out during the COVID nineteen experience we all are are having, and a lot of stuff we're going to go over. We're going to talk about some powerlifting and talk about Howard's background. We're going to talk about two uh, XL, and uh, we're going to talk about this CARES Act. And uh, Howard and I talked a little beforehand and. I think we both got some opinions on this one. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, so Howard, I'll start off, and then uh, I know Eric will probably and I will probably go back and forth, and obviously we'll talk about two XL as well. I'll ask both of you guys. So, talk about your background and how you got into powerlifting. Kind of, um, really, just kind of how you how how Howard came to be. Give us a real quick elevator speech on on what Howard is and what he's about. Well, I, I my my sports career started a little differently than you guys. So, yeah. in eighth grade, um, having moved to the U.S. from St. John's, Newfoundland, discovered Canada. I could run. Yeah. You, you do know how they came hey. up with the uh, <laughs> <laughs> they came up with the name Canada, right? No, how? So they basically just threw letters into a hat and they start pulling them out. C-A-N-A-D-A. Uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a great dad joke for everybody watching. So. Yeah. So anyways. Um, Howard just pressed it out. You know, notice that. I blew that off. Yeah. I saw that. I saw that. So. What a boot. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> That's all right. You remember all those old, back in the day, the non-PR Polish jokes that used to be told? Sure. Yeah. Those started out as Newfie jokes that we made about ourselves. Okay. (laughs) Noted. You you heard it here first, folks. Yep, yep. Uh, So, in any case, um, yeah, so I was actually um, a long-distance runner before I inverted. (laughs) (laughs) So, so Howard, today's not opposite day. Yes. What did you do before? What did I do? What? What you you said you were a long distance runner? Yeah, mile, two miles, uh, and cross country. And you did this on purpose? Yes, indoor and outdoor. You know, Howard, I know you're a strange <laughs> fellow, but man, best best uh, best mile on an indoor track was four minutes and twenty six seconds. That's a solid mile, there, sir. Yeah. It's well done. Back back in the day when Naperville North was the top of the heap. Wow, awesome. So so you ran, and then when did when did you finally come to your senses? 
joined the Navy. Ah. And I was on board a vessel that's been in the news a lot lately. I, <laughs> I actually helped build it, the Theodore Roosevelt. Oh, boy. And oh, boy. Um, the uh, gym there is immediately under where the planes touch. Okay. So um, when people, when I lift here, um, you know, I, I when I'm actually lifting, things don't disturb me and I'll joke and laugh and then lift because there's nothing that can outdo an <laughs> aircraft touching down right above you when you're doing a bench. Jeez. <laughs> While at sea. While at sea, rocking back and forth. It yeah. was awesome. So, um, yeah, left there and, and started training uh, afterwards as a bodybuilder. And again, Howard. <laughs> I've seen the pictures. Yes, yes. With yeah. the uh, whatever, very small waist. Yes. Yeah, I, okay. I was a 215-pound, 26-inch waist when I gained a little Bane's weight. Bane's got bigger legs, singular leg than yeah. that. Yeah, that's true. It's yeah, but my, my, I had a 26-inch waist and I had 24-and-a-half-inch thighs. That's cute. Yeah, so... <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I did that first and, and was getting ready for um, mm -hmm. to, to enter in my first competition and mm -hmm. managed to blow out my left knee. Nice. Which oh boy. I managed to do much later again. Nice. Uh, and then. Uh, Except not nice. I heard that's actually No, no. It's, it's, it's not fun. It was, went and had three separate MRIs. Nobody could figure out what was wrong mm -hmm. um, at the time. And. And uh, I was making about ten bucks an hour, so I couldn't afford to keep going getting MRIs. Right. So just they, they uh, were expensive then. They're really expensive now. Yeah. Discovered I only had to lift um, five or fewer times by doing powerlifting. Okay. And so around ninety two, ninety three, I started training. Okay. Um, but so my, really, it was, it was about efficiency at that point. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Makes sense. So started training at Ironworks and was getting ready to go over to their powerlifting team and. Um, and then they shut down. <laughs> oh. And that was, that's the gym that Donnie Thompson talks about, correct? That he trained at when he no. lived in the area? No. No. Or no. that he just know well, of he, that gym? Well, he knew of it. Okay. Yeah, he would mm -hmm. go there. He and I chatted about it when he was here for, uh, well, at our old first location. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, oh, yeah, he did a seminar we, there, correct? Yes. 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 Yeah, we, we he and I went around on, I think it was either Saturday evening or Sunday and spend a day driving around to all the old areas that he remembered. Sure. It was, sure. It was yeah, fun. that was back in 2015, I want to say. It, yes. Wasn't it your guys' yeah. first year in business, wasn't it? Second year. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah we started in 2014. 2014, okay. So, like I said, I've seen a bunch of pictures from that because uh, Sean Copeland, you know, has reposted a bunch of those. So We had that, and we had – and we still have the recording of both sessions. Nice. And we have also the – Recording of the Ernie Franz deadlift uh, class. Yeah, that was our grand opening. Oh wow! Yeah, seminar was, slash like unsanctioned meet. That was a lot of fun. So grand. <laughs> so um, yeah, so I got involved there, and then uh, at about '97, hadn't gone to an official competition. Mm -hmm. Just it was always the, the job I had. Uh, there was always something that came up. Sure. Um, so um, so you were the guy who signed up and never showed. God, yeah, God. didn't even get to that point. <laughs> Uh, fell off a roof and shattered my forearm. Okay. And uh, my um, uh, my ex-wife and the doctor got together and said, Howard, you'll never bench again. So I believed wow. them by accident. I believed Wrong. the doctors by Wrong. accident. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we skipped forward. Uh, I was the high school strength coach for, for the old Saybrook um, old Saybrook football team okay. out on the East Coast in Connecticut. Okay. Where where in Connecticut? Uh, Old Saybrook. Old Saybrook. I lived next door to Catherine Hepburn for a while. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, 
it was it was a lot of fun, and and uh, there were kids that I coached from Pee Wee on up. Mm-hmm. I was always the line coach, mm-hmm. and uh, there wasn't a team that could break our line. Nice. So the coach would constantly pull out our biggest guys and put in smaller guys because the other guys couldn't get up the middle. So he thought our linemen weren't doing anything. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. But we uh, we for three years had the strongest team in Connecticut. Okay. So uh, then um, got out of it again. Um, and then uh, about 2011, I broke the 400-pound mark in body weight. Okay. And decided uh, not in, in bench press, in not body in bench press, in body weight, <laughs> and decided it was time to get back in shape, and uh, started hitting a gym near here, okay. just down the street from where I worked, and used that to lose weight, and um, uh, ran into a couple of powerlifters, and they said, "Oh, you should be powerlifting." And I said, "Sounds like a great idea." And Makes sense. Yeah, did my first uh, meet. Uh, Irv Irv was running at the time. The Beast of the Bench Press. Rise of the Deadlift. Okay. Rise of the Deadlift, yep. That was in 2011? 2011. Okay. Okay. That's actually where you and I kind of met. Yes. Yeah. When I tried to step in front of one of your lifters. Oh, I don't, I don't remember <laughs> I this. I started to get up out of order. <laughs> oh, I don't remember. You don't remember this. I did. So, um, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was a lot of fun. And Irv was my coach then. Mm-hmm. So uh, Irv Demansky. Irv Demansky, yep. Progressive Sports Performance. Yep. Come on, Irv. Had a lot of fun and, and uh, with he and the team, and it was a lot of fun afterwards because it was a good hour and a bit away from here. Okay, gotcha. And, uh, yeah, somewhere early the following year, um, I found uh, uh, Team Stone. Yeah. And uh, we started training together there. Uh, yeah. Yep. So, best lifts in competition, Howard, as long as we're talking about competing? Yeah. You mean embarrassing lifts? Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Best lifts, best okay, lifts. Okay, so my best lifts were... were the um, we're actually in my second meet in gear. Okay, and um, uh, well, it, with the exception in, in of the gear, kids not on it in gear. Yeah, so it was <laughs> right. It was right before I I uh, had my accident in Canada. Okay, so it was only um, a six twenty two squat, um, and uh, I think what I'd only been in gear for a few months. Yeah, and the bench was uh, about four, four twenty, four nineteen. That's so, right. So the equipment didn't trust you to do the work for you. No, because I was a three eighty five raw bencher. Oh, okay. And um, the uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't trust the gear yet. Well, I thought it was the gear has to trust you for it to then go do the work for you. Oh no, they were. Uh, I'm sure Eric remembers. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, so <laughs> the gear does all the work, man. That's, that's what, that's what you you know, say. you're supposed to tuck your elbows down. I know. <laughs> And then I, I ended up at um, at uh, in another federation, uh, five uh, eleven or five twelve um, deadlift. At one point, my best bench was two forty point five kilos, which is um, is that uh, the freedom units, sir? Yeah, yeah the liberty five, units, sir. Five twenty nine. Yeah, oh, okay. Five twenty nine. Gotcha. Uh, in in competition, and uh, yeah, it always seemed like just after and just as I was looking forward to bigger. Because that six twenty two was um, at a summer bash. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Try to get some records back, um, and uh, it was. I just did openers. <laughs> okay. Oh, because you had another meet I had shortly the, thereafter. The worlds, and then oh, I was okay. up in Canada, oh, gotcha. and I was getting ready for that, and I had eight hundred on my back for a double in briefs, and uh, and uh, everything came apart. Womp womp. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So that's quite a story. Changed, turned me into. Um, Turned me into a bench-only guy for a while. 
Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> for for a while. How long has that while been? Uh, let's see. That was 2013. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's still time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah Always yeah. time. Always yeah. time. And there's other masters things coming up. So. Oh yeah. So, you know, you talked about Howard a little bit ago that you know always some kind of getting in the way. You've you've got a, a very interesting you know professional history and background. It, share with us what you can about that. It's it's I find it fascinating. But um, I do electric machines. It's what I learned in the Navy. Okay. And prior to that, I was involved in, I was part of the final team on the first synthetic oil okay. uh, at Amico Labs in high school. So I uh, joined the Navy, learned electric motors because it was my worst subject in A school. Okay. And now I'm considered a global leader in electric machines. So Global. Global. <laughs> uh, and diagnostics. So I've, I've, um, been on the design team for the hybrid Tahoe. Mm-hmm. Um, the you Volt. had a hybrid Tahoe, as I, I remember. I did, and I had a Volt. Yeah. I don't yet have the John Deere 644 and 944 hybrid tractors that I helped build. That's bogus. Um, and then uh, a bunch of other inventions that I've done over time. And sure. more recently, um, leading in the capability of testing wind turbines. Yes, yeah, so a lot of wind stuff is what I've seen since yeah. I've really gotten a chance to know you. Uh, which I find ironic because my father-in-law actually built those. Yes. He's yeah. a machinist. He, uh, he works at, at Clipper, so, uh, which I think is cool. So Worked at Clipper. Yeah, worked at <laughs> <laughs> Technically, he's still there, but they just fix all the stuff that breaks all the yeah. time. Yeah, so, oh, okay. So they, yeah. Probably follow your, side. they probably follow your plans that you say, hey, this is broken. Go ahead and do, it, do this to fix it. Uh, probably. I haven't done a Clipper yet. Okay. So mostly, it. mostly it's been GE, Siemens, ABB, and a few like that, um, Vestas. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we, I, I have a technology. I can walk in the base of the tower. I don't have to climb, and can look at the entire. Power Why would train. you want to climb? Yes, exactly. I'm exactly. a, I'm a power lifter. That would be cardio. There, are, there are two <laughs> things that absolutely terrify me. It is heights and water. I, there is no way I could be a lineman or do any of the stuff like on on the turbines. Or I could not do that. So the other thing is. Um, being involved in what I do, one of my largest clients is the National Institutes of Health. Mm. Guess where I was while all this was going down? Me. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So um, please that tell was... me you use that joke in there. Oh uh, yes. Thank God. Of course. And, and for those of you that, for the people that don't know, what exactly does the National Institute of Health do, and what do they have there? Uh, it's a research facility, and it's right across the street from the Bethesda Medical Center. Mm-hmm. In um, and, yeah, and, and all the research, all the government research that's going on related to COVID-19 is happening just across the way from where I work there. Mm. Right. So uh, as a matter of fact, when they had Ebola, that was the, they had the only place capable of handling an Ebola patient. Jeez. So I was, I was there when they, when they rolled them in. It's also where the president, after they get their, um, their health checks mm-hmm. does all their announcements. They come across the street there because they have a, uh, a facility large enough to do the announcements and all the other stuff related to it. And they, they have all basically the connections to do all that yeah. with all the, the newsrooms and everything. And so. the place where I work is the largest chiller plant in North America. Wow. So uh, I'm responsible for all the electric machines. I help them with uh, reliability programs, stuff like that. Can you, can you explain just for, like I understand what you're talking about reliability, but for maybe somebody who's even dumber than, this big dumb animal. What, it, <laughs> kind of walk through the the, the fifty thousand foot view of reliability and what that means. Okay, and and I was chair of the Society for Maintenance Reliability Professionals, okay. the global group, uh, up until 
two years ago now. I'm the past past chair. But uh, yeah, from 50,000 foot level, it's the um, looking at systems and determining how to make them last longer. So like when I was working in the uh, hybrid vehicle group, Mm -hmm. my job was to evaluate the original designs on the electric machines, electric motors, Mm -hmm. motor generator sets, things like that, and help them extend those life out, that life out to a certain point. Okay. And at John Deere, I was the first person ever to um, accurately calculate the expected life of, of a motor um, to within an hour. Wow. So you're looking at trying science. To, science. <laughs> you're looking at trying to keep those motors running, essentially. Yeah, as long as we can. So sure. part of the reason I was out at NIH was because things were failing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems uh, like you'd need chilling motors if you, I don't know, maybe have like diseases, infectious diseases, well, all the refrigeration. If that goes down, yeah. you know, they had they have animal research and everything else there. If that goes down, you start having to euthanize animals and everything else. So it's it's not just chillers; they're life critical. Right. Sure. Right. Sure. So, so they so they have to be reliable. Yes. <laughs> so basically, and you you make sure you you institute programs that help the things that do do stuff do what they say they're going to do and do it for a long time. Yes. Plus, plus the good news for what for this period right now is I also do a lot of the testing. Okay. So consulting right now not happening. It's right. not considered essential. Right. But I've been in Chicago the past week, and I've been in Detroit the past week testing critical machines. Mm-hmm that handle air and also one of the facilities helping with the present situation. Sure. So you're saying the difference between consulting and testing is consulting, you're going in, you're, you're setting up a reliability plan so that you can, you know, kind of head these issues off at the the pass of the motors, you know, shutting down versus right now you're going in and testing to see what's going wrong currently. Yeah. Well, I'm known for motors, but for instance, for, the largest uh, paper company in Canada, I'm helping develop their entire electrical reliability program okay. from 500,000 volts all the way down. We'll, we'll talk about that. Yeah. We'll talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so suddenly my professional wheels start turning like, hmm. Yeah. So, so uh, it sounds like, you know, you're in Bethesda, Maryland. I know if, if anybody follows Howard on the face pages and the Instabooks and the, Inst- no, he's not on Instagram very much, but he's but he, on but face- he's there. He is there. He's on, on face- occasion. He's on face pages <laughs> and he's definitely on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, you're all over the place. You're traveling constantly. Mm-hmm. So how do you balance traveling to, you know, Texas, Ohio, Detroit, DC, and then getting some training in? <laughs> that is a good question. Um, being comfortable with only staying at about 500 for the bench. <laughs> <laughs> a lot, a lot um, of maintenance work you're saying. Yeah. Uh, the other part is you remember I was, I was losing a lot of weight and, um, travel picked up again and, and things went the other direction really fast. Mm-hmm. It's hard to maintain any kind of diet. Oh yeah. yeah um, you're especially when out. you get older. Yeah. No kidding. Jumped the whole weight class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just keep my letters and I don't have to worry about yeah, it. Yeah, that's fair. Um, that's but, fair. Um, you know, I'm getting in an age where I have to start thinking about getting that back down into um, a safe area. Sure. Um, but uh, I'll usually, I'll take the opportunity and I'll go find local gyms if I have time. Uh, if it's an emergency job or I'm going to spend all day in a field collecting mm-hmm. data on a wind wind turbine, I am not going to have the energy to, to lift. Sure. So I'll usually go down to, I'll, I'll stay at like Marriott's and so on that usually have Ew. full gyms. 
Yeah. <laughs> Gross. Don't like Marriotts? Nah, I'm a Hilton guy, so. Ah, okay. Yeah. Well, they'll know they'll own them soon enough. Yeah. So it's <laughs> probably not wrong. It's probably not. As long as my points transfer, I don't care. Yeah, yeah. They did for Sheraton. I just stayed at the Sheraton up in Detroit. There so. You. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so, so traveling around, a lot of it is just trying to find local gyms. If it's a place uh, like National Institutes of Health, unfortunately, the gym that I was going to uh, closed uh, uh, in the last where, couple where of we, weeks. Where are we going? Um, that was um, professional sports performance, something like that, uh, mm-hmm. right in uh, Rockville. Yep. Yeah. So my, so my parents used to live in Baltimore, and my sister uh, worked in the district, and then she lived in Bethesda. Yep, and so we, so I would. There's a couple, three gyms that I would travel through whenever I was. Yeah, there's. Oh, so you were there? Yeah, just off the. the, There's a few powerlifting gyms in that area. Yep, and there's there's another one that I went to when my family and I went for vacation, and I think actually I recommended that one to you. And I'm trying to remember for the. Yeah, I went. Did go Coliseum. Yes, did actually when you mentioned it, we I'd already been going there. Yes, Um, the equipment is a little beat up. But Other than the straw man, yeah, it's pretty yeah. Good. You get into the back area. You, there's the commercial side where yep. we do some of our stuff, and then yep. you get in the back area, and they'd have Olympic lifting, strong man, powerlifting, yeah, all the U.S. Apple platforms. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> still, it was still that one from Frank Cleary. I kind of dig that the U.S. Apple. Yeah, yeah. So it was uh, that was a nice place, but it was a good solid hour plus. Yeah. Uh, away. Uh, yeah, did I mean, stay out near there a few times just to make it a little bit closer. But then I discovered that the Bethesda Marriott is one block away from NIH. And all of a sudden, I was able to get rooms there, which I hadn't been pr- prior. Okay. And um, they have a full gym. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll talk more about business stuff later. But yeah, you know, you're, you're going to unfortunately see some gyms start to shut down with the quote current situation in the world. Yep. Um, it's sad, but... I don't know that all of them are going to be able to survive. Is that, is that we're going to start calling just the current situation? You know, I think that's what they were calling it on. Uh, I watched WrestleMania the last couple nights. Yeah, I think that's fun. what they. I, I think that. yeah, I think that's what they were calling it. There is you know the the situation in the yeah. world. Yeah, Vince McMahon is huge with words. Like you don't call it a hospital, you call it a medical facility. Yes, it's yeah. not a it's not a belt. It's a championship. Yes, so I'm sure he did not want people saying coronavirus. Well, I coronavirus. I, like, I prefer. I even re, I'd even rather refer to it as the pandemic. And have in some of the articles I've been writing. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. Have you, have you called it the fake news yet? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I called, I called a, an article that I just saw related to my old ship a fake news after I read it and then oh, listened, yeah, listened to the entire speech. Oh, my gosh. You know, it's like, okay, they picked out specific words to make it sound a certain way. And then if you listen to the speech, it's completely different. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> and it doesn't matter what channel you listen to. So... You know, um, sure. So, Howard, uh, you you know you've done all these different things. You've worked on different types of motors. I know you've worked for various companies, mm-hmm. and um, not small ones either, right? Uh, you worked for Drysilker locally yep. not too long ago, but then after that, you kind of formed your own company, MotorDock LLC. You know, how did that get started? Was that prior to leaving Drysilker? Was it uh, after, or was it you know something that's kind of had a gap in there? 2001, I started a small publishing company when I worked when I was running another company because uh, they wanted a book, but they didn't want to publish it. Mm-hmm. Okay, use it for training. So I created huh. it. And I created a company, and my ex-wife, part of the reason she's my ex-wife, <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to call it MotorDoc. MotorDoc actually 
was the nickname they used for me on the Theodore Roosevelt okay. by Captain Purcell, the very first captain of that mm-hmm. ship, because um, I didn't like the term rewind god. So <laughs> what? Wait, whoa, whoa. There's a story behind that. I didn't understand rewind god. Yeah. So on the motor repair, um, uh, electric machines using magnetic fields, it's it's referred to in the Navy as PFM or Oh, I can say that here. Pure fucking magic. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do have that. Uh, we do have that. E. So, um, so PFM. So um, they they would refer to the supervisor for the winding department as the rewind wizard or rewind god. So um, I didn't. I was very spiritual at the time, and I didn't okay. appreciate that. So. So the captain looked at me one time when I was bringing up a, a package that had to be signed so we could repair the next machine. And he goes, in that case, you're the motor dock. And it stuck. I think I like that better than Rewind God. Yeah, Rewind God is See? Like, yeah, that's see? corny. <laughs> I, I, that's corny as fuck. So, so the, going back, the first comment is success by design. I learned all about publishing. Um, you know, this is after I left the University of Illinois and I was working for somebody else. Mm-hmm. And... Um, uh, 2004, I went into full-time consulting, and I was the main reliability consultant for all of GM facilities in North America and um, U.S. Steel mm-hmm. and some others. Yeah, I've heard you talk about how you know it was like the same trip every week. You would get on the plane, fly to Detroit, yep. be there Monday through Friday, fly back on Friday afternoon, and you'd see the same people every week. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, the the you'd you'd get on board, and the steward or stewardess would know exactly who you were. <laughs> that actually that happened to me for a while. If you guys remember yeah. the end of twenty eighteen, where I was like gone all the, all the time. Yeah, and so I was bouncing between Chicago, uh, Dallas, Fort Worth, and uh, New Jersey, um, and it was same flight attendants, same schedules, and it was same things like on the flight back from LaGuardia to Chicago on uh, on Saturday morning. Oh, hey, Mister Bain, how was last night? That was rough. Cool. We'll get you a pillow. well during that time the coolest project i picked up on was the korean hydro nuclear power so once a quarter for about a week i'd fly out there and play around with nuclear power plants to south korea yep south korea not north korea no 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 no, the other korea uh, (laughs) wow sure yeah so uh and and i'd done a little bit of work again after uh well actually when i did go back to dry sulker in the after so Around the time the economy came apart, um, I went back and, and the, uh, you know, who are my clients? GM, U.S. Steel, right. Amtrak. And they're all so, really struggling slash yeah, taking so, loans. So all consultants were stripped out, except for GM. They actually, I was the only consultant transferred from old GM to new GM. Okay. Wow. There's another story I'll tell another time. Okay. So uh, the owner of Dry Silker called me up and said, hey. You know, I, I really want to turn the place around, so I went there. And a few a few years later, some things were going on, and as Eric remembers, there was a person by the name of Angry Howie that would show up to the gym. <laughs> Dry Silker is a motor repair shop in Glen Ellen. Yeah, okay, okay. yeah, local place. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, now now I'm back to I support them, and I support a whole bunch of their old competitors and other nice. companies. Because you don't actually basis. do the the actual repairs to the motors, or you don't now, at least. Um, I advise on them now, so I don't compete with my clients. Sure, sure, yeah. sure, sure. But I, I, I just recently had to be involved in a significant repair so that, so that they could continue doing research somewhere. Sure, understood. 
So yes, I, I have, I have tools. I will travel. I will do the work if, uh, if needed, but usually other people prefer As long as you pay your invoice. (laughs) (laughs) Or the prices go up. We we had that conversation the other (laughs) day. (laughs) Well, actually what I did last week is I announced that I was going to have a price increase and those that paid their bills on time were not going to see that. I just got all of the past due checks today. (laughs) Ironic. (laughs) Ironic. So Howard's making it rain tonight, guys. Yeah. Yeah. So, um. In any case, yeah, that, that's, uh, you know, at the end of that time and, and I'd had enough, I went back into business. I promised five years. I did five years and restarted it and changed the name over to Motor Dock. And I believe the anniversary date for 2XL Powerlifting and Motor Dock are within a day, oh, but wow. a year apart. Wow. Uh, so, um, and then immediately what happened? Howard disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I think, yeah, it was around the same time that you see we were starting the gym, mm-hmm. yep. and then you had said, you know what, I, I'm done with, it didn't surprise me when you told me that you were going to leave, you know, dry soaker, and said you were going to go back into consulting, and it was like, you'd be like, well, the good news is, I'm hopefully going to be, you know, my overall income is going to increase, mm-hmm. the bad news is I'm not going to be around very much. Yep, and that's about what happened. Pay, so. Paying the cost to be the boss, man. Yeah, a handful of jobs around here, but it's not unusual for me to jump in the truck and drive eight to twelve hours. Yeah, I've uh, in, uh, <laughs> whatever couple of years I've really gotten to know you guys. That is a very frequent occurrence yeah. that uh, that Howard's just out out on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, so speaking of motor doc, I mean, obviously it's a very cool story, kind of how it came to be. You, you've obviously uh, brought enough value to that marketplace that you know very significant players in it uh, see that value and are willing to pay for it. Uh, you know. What makes it unique? What is what is it about your style? What is it about obviously there's a, a knowledge base there and a skill set, but what is it that makes Motor Doc unique? That when I go to the Navy, I recognized it as an opportunity because everybody else thought they weren't cool. Mm-hmm. Electric machines weren't cool. So um, on my professional society side of what I do for a living, um, I got to learn from all of the experts that a lot are no no longer with us and the other ones are the top in the field Mm -hmm. again and um you know i help write the standards and i help write everything i basically i write the standards i have to live by so it's there's obviously again there's knowledge there's thought leadership there's innovation coming from the the upper one-tenth of one percent of those who are in your field is that is that a very rough way to put it yeah, and that would make it about, you know, a handful. Yeah. Um, globally. Um you know, there's cool. there's yeah, there's only a handful of us that, that can still design an electric motor on a piece of paper. Sure. Everybody else rely and that's part of the reason why I've I, gone I can't in speak and, for Eric. I know I'm not one of those people. Yeah. So. Uh well Wrong. I, <laughs> <laughs> I said I can't speak for you. Oh right. You know, my, my thousand I know nothing about motors. You <laughs> probably know more than me, Bane. My thousand degree electric motor is a good one. Nice. Yeah. You know, Right. Well, and I've heard yeah, you talk about like this, that. Howard, how, you know, when you're working on a motor, you can, even without your instruments, you can hear little things. And you've talked about how you can visualize the motor in your head and you kind of take it apart piece by piece to see, you know, what is actually going wrong with it. Yeah, heard- well, you know my feelings about autism, right? So I'm an Aspie. And, so basically, uh, basically just beautiful minded and it's just everything. Yeah, I, I build equipment in my head, mm-hmm. colorize it operate it, introduce the fault, mm-hmm. and that's how I troubleshoot. Now I now what I have to do from a professional standpoint or even when I'm doing um, 
expert witness work, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> done a lot of that, uh, is have to translate that into speech. So um, there's processes I follow called root cause failure analysis and things like that. It's a step-by-step process and a lot of documentation. Yeah, tra- trying to articulate and and then demonstrate in a normalized manner, like the stuff that is just intuition and gut feel is, mm-hmm. I'm sure you experience a lot, is extremely challenging. Yeah. It's very, very tough. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. you hear about engineers, and I previously did some fitness classes at Argonne Laboratory, and they would always tell me that the people that would succeed there were the engineers that could actually talk and explain to, you know, quote, the normal person yep. what exactly is going on. Because the other engineers, no one knew what the hell they were talking about. Yeah. It, funny story on that. So we had a call with a customer or prospect and one of our lead engineers. So you talk about, you know, guys working ones and zeros, they build tech stacks and that kind of stuff. And we were discussing, uh, what type of integrations they needed. Basically, this guy went through and all the information that I gave him, he didn't read it and asked literally the same questions that were asked during the discovery and during the, oh, I wanted to absolutely blow my stack. And the customer did. And basically, he told me afterwards, like, you have this business. It is yours. But if he ever gets on the phone with me again, I will shut the deal down before we even get hello out of our mouths. Let go. Well, yeah, I've run into those. Yeah. So, so I'm usually the guy who has to do that where I take what, what I can't understand on the tech side and then break it down for, you know, basically us meatheads. <laughs> sure. Well, I do. Because that. that's what logistics people are. We're essentially meatheads. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, I, I, I spend a majority of my time translating complex things into English. Nice. So some of my, some of my published books are written in English. So people have actually read some of them and one's on how to test motors. I mean, it just... Guy goes, oh yeah, I read it front to back. I can't even read that front to back. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, and then you know, on average, um, this last year I kept it down to about fifteen professional papers mm-hmm. plus articles and everything else. Sure. Uh, but prior to that, it was twenty six to thirty six professional papers, all new research every year. Yeah, and I think you you kind of mentioned it, but you skipped over maybe. You had a, a, a time in there where you were a professor at UIC. UIC, okay. Yeah, I was an adjunct professor of industrial engineering at UIC. So um, was that when you were still working as a consultant, or no, no, it was it was full time. I was oh, okay. I, had, I, I was the uh, senior research engineer responsible for industrial programs at the Energy Resources Center at UIC. Okay, that's that is a mouthful. Yeah, what? It, yeah, tell me about. It. You should have seen. It. Every time I had to write down the title, Oof. it would be like, "Okay, how many business cards can I put?" Oof. And but, somewhere along the way, you got your PhD when you were working, correct? So you didn't necessarily like yeah. take a long time off. And no, no, I, I, it was night work. Um, yeah, it took a long time. Um, matter of fact, uh, UIC. That's where I finished up the research. It was on okay. a novel approach to industrial assessments for energy waste stream process and reliability, which was then adopted. Um, by the Department of Energy. I'd been working with the Department of Energy since 92. For okay. all those watching, there is a test on this afterwards, so please. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, I've heard him talk about all this before, and I still don't necessarily understand what I'm saying. <laughs> so sh- shifting gears a little bit, because uh, again, it, it the, the motor dock business stuff you do, Howard, it, it is fascinating. It's actually, it's really important, you know, stuff. Uh, but a little more to or towards our audience here with Strength yeah. and Anger and, you know, just us here at the table. You know, talk about getting 2XL started. You mentioned very briefly, you know, you and Eric meet 
and you start training with Team Stone, and then... Well, this was supposed to be a stress relief and hobby and... Womp womp. Yeah. Bronca, who who she and I were engaged at the time, now married, mm-hmm. so... Uh, but um, she goes, you're going to somehow turn this into a business, aren't you? Absolutely not. No way. It'll never happen. You don't know. Nope. You're going to figure out some way to turn Wrong. this into a business. <laughs> so one day Eric goes, well, we have to move. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and to give a little bit of background, I at the time worked for RightFit, which is basically yeah. was and is a kind of boutique personal training mm-hmm. facility. Um, they kind of specialize in working with kids on the autism spectrum. And then when I came to work for them, um, I previously worked at a sports performance place, and so I brought that aspect to Right Fit, and I also brought the team, which had started mm-hmm. uh, when I previously worked there. And yeah, I, I basically, it was around Easter, so it was around this time. Um, I guess it would have been six years ago now, right? Yeah. 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 Wow. So six years ago. Um, we're By the 12- way, Easter's canceled this year. The Pope canceled Easter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure Jesus will still rise regardless no, of I'm pretty uh, sure it's all the dead COVID people. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Hashtag we, Yeah, we're, we're editing that. We can edit right? that part out. <laughs> we're all going to hell now. Just me. Just me. Yeah. <laughs> so around Easter, and it was odd because my company, RightFit, never closed for any reason. Mm-hmm. And they said they were closing uh, like Thursday through like Easter Monday. Cue and, nefarious plot music. <laughs> right. Dun, dun, dun. I was actually <laughs> sick throwing up on the way to the gym on that Thursday. Maybe it was a Friday. I can't remember exactly. When I came in the next day, um, my desk had been thrown out in the hallway. All my stuff in my desk. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have a desk anymore. And they said, we're taking all of your equipment with the exception of the two monoliths and the two competition benches. And we're putting them in storage, including a leg press slash hack squat that Howard bought, um, reverse hyper, glute ham raise, chest supported row, a bunch of other stuff that we had kind of bought mm-hmm. to fill out the gym at Right Fit. Right. Um, a, a whole other story that you know you and I kind of went through in our yep. or origin story and might be worth going through again but you know I basically said to Howard like you know all our stuff's getting moved out mm-hmm. they're turning it into a crossfit gym and what do we do yeah and Howard can take back over from there. <laughs> <laughs> so I said well let's find you know cuz we were talking about could we find a gym to store our stuff and train mm-hmm. and um I, you know Ken said well why don't we look at actually Moving into a space, creating it as a as a sole business. Meaning, you, you said Ken said said that. Pardon? You said Ken said that. No, I said that. Okay, gotcha. That that was my idea. And okay. I went home and heard the. Yep, I told you you were going to turn it into a business. And and I think I had used the example of, hey, you know, could we create a monster garage style? Because at that time, yeah. monster garage was much smaller. This was when oh, we yeah. were in like maybe what fifteen hundred square feet back then. Where I mean, we no, I'm talking oh, about monster. Oh, monster! Garage. Oh, yeah, I went. Yeah, because I was traveling around to gyms, part of the Iron Authority thing, and yeah, it was. Um, it was smaller. It was small, and yeah. so I had said to Howard, "Hey, you know, could we create a monster garage style gym, you know, around here with our stuff? Because mm-hmm. I had a lot of the equipment from running meets, mm-hmm. and again, at that time, monster garage, and it still is a side business for Marosher. Yep, but it was much smaller. I said, "Hey, could we replicate something like that?" So right across from my condo, <laughs> yeah, I, I do know this. was an abandoned mall. Mm-hmm. So we're looking everywhere for months. We're looking at warehouses, but the mall had put out that it was like twenty eight dollars a square foot and all this other stuff. And uh, Bronca kept going, "Why don't you just go ask? Why don't you just go ask?" And it turns out the rental agent um, was a uh, 
Figure competitor? Figure competitor. Oh, very nice. So she said, um, so this is to help you guys train and everything else. And all these, all this location's been empty all this time. Here's mm-hmm. what I can do for you. The main thing I wanted was, because we had no idea what was going to happen. We, we knew that we had a core group of, what, 12 at yeah, the time? At that time, Team Stone was at maximum 12, I would say. Yeah. Okay. So I needed to find a place that, we needed to find a place where, where I knew I could carry it. Mm-hmm. All the expenses, sure. Um, and you know, um, I, I'm in a good spot. So it was like, okay, um, let's find a place. And they told us that, and it was like, yep. When can we move in? <laughs> <laughs> and I'll, I'll give you, and even I'll give Jackie some credit because when we went in and looked at that space, and it, it's funny because it's almost the same story as when we went into RightFit the mm-hmm. first time with my uh, former coworker Garrett. Yep. We went into the warehouse at RightFit, and I was like, uh, we had come from. 20,000 square feet when I worked at Velocity and we went basically across to this warehouse place where RightFit was looking for a new space and Velocity was closing Mm -hmm. Um, and I was like I just don't see it and Garrett said oh no we can paint we can take stuff down and it'll work and it ended up working well for them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Same thing we went into this space um, at at the first 2XL site it was you know this like 3,000 square foot you know, former photography store. Oh, yeah. It was, and oh, it, it, had, it was nasty. It had, <laughs> it had, you know, 1970s wood paneling on the walls. Um, it had, you know, just uh, tiles that we never touched because who knows how long they'd been there. Yeah, we, we they, took they were a look. 1974. Free. So it was like, we, they're like, Oof. oh, we can remove the tiles. No, we're not. <laughs> it had, you know, cheesy carpet. And I was just like, ah, oh, I just don't see it. But I'll give you credit, and I'll give Jackie, because she said to me, oh, you know, you'd be surprised what a pan of coat. Uh, and I blame her for the color scheme. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? A coat of paint. Oh, pan of coat. Yeah. Yeah. No, she came up with a really nice white and blue idea for the color. I would like to do that eventually here at the current 2XL someday. Yeah. 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 Let's, let's, this is a little bit bigger. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, no, I, I didn't see it, and it it, I, it ended up turning out really well, the yeah. first 2XL. It was about, you know... 3,200 square feet. Yeah, but once we got to the layout part, I didn't see it, and you did. So, I mean, that 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 was the whole thing is um, we had a third partner, but he really – we were still trying to figure out what he was supposed to do. Yeah. But uh, Eric Eric uh, figured out the layout for the place. Um, we got everything laid out, moved in, cleaned up, uh, and uh, – And did it all ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's still – was not an inexpensive venture because we had right yeah, flooring and and um, the flooring was probably the biggest biz, biggest expense. Would you say? No, it was all the hidden stuff. People oh. don't have no idea what it costs to open a gym. Yes, I remember you guys talking about with here. Obviously, here much larger space yes. and the amount of hidden expenses at this location. This, were actually, immense. the first space was probably the worst for the first expenses. place. Was absolutely the worst. Okay, I'll I'll tell you. I, I'll actually I'll I'll. Publicize it. Good. It cost me personally out of pocket over fifty grand to move into that space because we had to meet. Dumb. We had we had to meet all of the requirements right. for the town. Oh, so you got it. So, so the had, flooring, so you the had flooring code, you had all the stuff that were not up to code, but now that yeah. you were going to be Irv, in there, Irv helped us out Oof. with the flooring, and it, the flooring was three grand. So you figured the rest of that was. Tools and supplies and paint and well, and I remember now, and now how much stuff. of that have you been able to carry over to second the, the second third locations? Anything like uh, tools? Obviously, you've been able to. Um, 
Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, most of the tools were mine anyways. Okay. I'm probably in the shot. Uh, but um, the the second place was not as big a build-out by a long shot. Yeah. I mean, the flooring cost us about, what, 12-plus installation. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything else was done by hand. It was a, it what the first place had not been occupied in years, fifteen years. And so I remember when we had the first inspection, and they came back with, I mean, like a three a page list, like a three page list of things that we had to fix. So much, oof. and then even after that, even after we fixed all that stuff, there was like a a garage space heater in the back room that wasn't hooked up and penetrated the ceiling. Right, which, and it's like right next to a sprinkler. But the first guy from the fire department came in and said, are you guys going to use that? And Howard said, absolutely not. And he said, ah, just leave it. The next people, when I was there, and I know I know less than nothing about sure. anything construction-based. Howard was out of town, of course, with Motor Dock. Yeah. And so he said, just be there and act like you don't know anything, which was pretty easy for me to do. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, oh, what about this garage space heater? I was like, uh, the last guy said we didn't have to do anything. And they're like, eh. Yeah, you guys got to yeah. Yeah, yeah, take that out. Each time you miss on an inspection and the next inspector, if it's a different person coming in, mm. they will find different things. Oh, so, yeah. Oh, yeah. We've, we've experienced that personally. That's yeah. been a trip. And I remember they gave us a provisional you know, certificate, but they said, you have to get this removed like in 48 hours. And we did have somebody who came in. Yeah. And, just to verify it. And mm. got rid of it real quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and then they came back just to verify it. Thank but yeah, that, that, that first space was in terrible shape. I mean, and sure. it, we, well, put, we were going to remove the tiles, remember? We picked the tiles up and found all the animals up there. <laughs> there were nests. Within the, within the first day of Howard and I working on the deconstruction of the first space, mm-hmm. um, I put a nail through my hand and Howard electrocuted himself. I didn't. I, I shocked. <laughs> okay. Electrocuted, I wouldn't be sitting here. Okay. Oh, Shocked. Man. Well, we we literally had turned off all the power to the space. What we didn't realize is the deli next door was oh, sharing yeah. power you, both you directions. Told me, you told me about this one. So so there was there was a wire sticking out of the wall, and you know, mind you, I do electrical work. Mm-hmm. I, I deal with like thirteen eight where I I'm in panels fully mm-hmm. decked out. So I had my equipment there and everything. It was like okay. Um, I'll test this before I start working on it. So I test whatever and I start working on it. Test. Well, there was a piece of wire sticking out of the floor and I walked by and it brushed my leg <laughs> and it was live, even though the main breaker to the How space was turned How many four-letter words up. did you utter after that, sir? There's a string. <laughs> well, and wasn't that then when we had um, like flower, like uh, what was it that we put on the wall to block out some of those wires? Um Oh, flower pots. Flower pots, yeah. We had like plastic, like rectangular flower oh pots that gosh. we attached to the wall because there was these wires that you were could pretty, not turn off. They were, we're pretty sure they were connected to Frankie's, the deli next door. Because yeah. the, I mean, the wall was paper thin. I yeah. mean, it was. Now, we took care of that. Sure. We took care of that. But, uh, but yeah, it had to, anybody who trained at that first location that's not not a part of Team Stone now is going, oh my god, I took my life. Oh, there. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> it was all good. It was just we had to do little things like that, just basically to, you know, be able of, to work on the space, right? Yeah. Just be able to put with you know duct tape and and spit and hold the thing together for as long as we stayed there. Wow. Yeah, which was only two years. I think the first time we did, I was at an airport. I, I installed all the security system too. Mm-hmm. So I was sitting at the airport, and it was a, a bench meet. 
Rise of the Deadlift. Was it the Rise of the... Okay, it was the Rise of the Deadlift. Because that was the first meet we ran there in October after being there. No, no. It was, the, it was, it was not the first year. The first year was yeah. good, but no, it was a future Rise of the so Deadlift. So we'll put this into perspective. 3,000 square feet. Mm-hmm. Over a thousand square feet of the back was not usable yep. for the gym. Well, I remember so storage and everything else. In the front part, we split it in half, and we had a crowd on the the um, floor on the turf, mm-hmm. and then we had a stage there. And the warm up area was behind, yep. like, basically a sheet of plastic. Yep. So um, it was like this is great, and then we found out afterwards, one hundred and twenty. People were in that space. <laughs> so I've got a picture of it still. Of- I've got a picture of it still from the airport when I, t- I took a snapshot of the from the cameras, yeah. the security cameras yeah. of just wall-to-wall, standing-room-only people. That was the first meet I ever attended as a spectator. Ah, okay. What year was that? Uh, 2015. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Yep. That would that have been... Was, that, actually, that was the first one Lily ever attended. Oh, okay. Yeah, so... So, so it was interesting because when we first started, I was like, okay, we had very limited hours. Mm-hmm. Monday nights, we were, you know, I was like, I don't even know why we're open on Monday nights. It was always just me or just me and somebody Monday, else. Monday's bet shot. It's International Chess Day. That was why we were open. Um, so I learned my reverse band work and everything else, all the safety equipment we had and so on and so on. Um, but... I went off on a trip and I was gone for a couple of weeks. I think I came back mm-hmm. and I went into where it train and there was no room because the right people, all the people. So good, I walked down. Good problem to have the space. The next space we were moving in, a haunted house was there. Okay, and the town kicked them out because of the uh, they wanted to do a haunted Christmas. Christmas. Interesting. That's yeah. where, if you've ever been to our meets and you've seen the angry snowman, yeah, that and came from the haunted Christmas house <laughs> they were going to do. And against all objections, I brought him here. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So, um, yeah. So, so we, uh, they happened to just be booted out about that same time, mm-hmm. and um, I called up and I said, "What can we do about this?" And and they made a deal with us again, which was reasonable. It was mm-hmm. actually really good. Yeah. And uh, we decided to just put flooring down. So we had 30 days. So we put flooring down. We put turf down. And they said, we we're going to tear down the building at any time. So we didn't do it much else. Right. We got the toilets functioning and so on. And I think our our total outlay there was a lot less because it was a used space. Sure. Yeah. I mean, in fact, actually, before the haunted house was in there, it was in great shape. And the yeah. haunted house came in and ripped up walls yeah. and the Painted only good walls the only good thing that the haunted house did was they pulled up all the flooring because that was heavy i remember i remember pulling up that floor in the first space because it was like it wasn't just carpet it was rubber backed carpet oh so wow it was oh yeah super super heavy and so they'd already pulled that up and thrown it in the like mezzanine level okay and so that's one thing we didn't have to do but they they destroyed a bunch of other stuff unfortunately gotcha but having having been through the first time we had a budget we fell well within that budget. Yeah. Big so we, we then turned around and used, I used the remainder of the budget I put together and bought all, all of the, um, legend, legend fitness, like kind of like the, the plate loaded, kind of right. like hammer strength. And they worked right. with us on that. They even delivered it. <laughs> well, and what you didn't go through Howard was the cost that we put into that first space toilet. I mean, Oh God, we could have had granite countertops. A, <laughs> okay. Like, so, so and, the maintenance like, reliability. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we put so much money into the first space cause there's only one toilet. Cause it was not a space originally that was set up for customers. It <laughs> the was golden banana. <laughs> yeah. 
So, and this was at one of the first meets. We're pretty sure that somebody was peeing. Mm -hmm. They dropped the banana in the toilet and flushed it because who wants to grab a pea-soaked banana? Sure. And it opened up on its way out. Yeah, and it clogged up our toilet to the point where, I mean, there was... Well, the, the main line out because the deli next door shared that line with us, so it was not a clear line. Yeah, no. If you know what I mean. So a lot of fats and everything else were... Sure. Yeah. A lot of and, other things. I mean, we spent thousands on getting that toilet just <laughs> functional for events wow. because, it, it, I mean, we couldn't not have a functional toilet, and so we'd have to have get it. I remember one point they are like, well, we're going to come back in the spring... And we're going to do a power flush. And they came and they did it, and it still didn't work. And I, then they and then they dug out. I wish I would have taken a picture. They dug out the half-eaten banana and banana peel. And they said, this is what's causing your problem. I wanted to take a picture of it. So I remember hearing about the power flush. Somebody had told me about that because they said that there was an issue at almost every event with the toilets at 2XL. Yeah. yeah. And so, that, so I remember hearing about the power flush. And then it was, but it was shortly thereafter that you guys moved to 2.0. Well, it was a combination of that. And I have equipment, so I was doing infrared on the electrical system mm -hmm. and the main lines. And I said, we cannot be using power here for much longer. Uh, and then I got a quote for what it was going to take to do the work. Part of our deal was we had to maintain billions the space. and billions and billions. It was going to cost about as much as what we cost us to open the space to begin with. Right. And, Stupid. Uh, I mean, it's yeah. Crazy. The, yeah. the breaker box was sketchy at best. Sure. We'll yeah. So, way. so the new space was improved, but they had torn up all the safety lights. They had damn. Remember how half the lights were off there? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It wasn't for energy saving. They had literally disconnected and removed all the wiring. Well, I, I assume it was mood lighting because Eric was trying to seduce me to get on the podcast. Yeah. So. Well, <laughs> right. It yeah. turned out that, that it turned out that uh, that was kind of nice for that space. Having it a little dark was a good thing. <laughs> it, it actually was like when you think about it. Because I remember like the first meet I did at that space, I noticed like man, it is it is fucking dark in here. But then we're getting up to the platform, and I'm like. This is kind of dope, actually. Like, I really yeah. enjoy, like the atmosphere is really good with the way the lighting was done, and so it, it worked out very, very well. Uh, obviously, mostly happenstance, but well, we we had the we had all of the so we had all the spotlight stuff around mm -hmm. there from the lands because it was a it was a retail lands end, mm -hmm. yeah, so and outlet, right? So we replaced some of the spotlights and aimed them certain ways so that sure. we could get a certain lighting for the stage. Nice, very nice. Well, um, and I was I was reluctant to move from the small space to the bigger space. Um, the part of the story we didn't really tell was that uh, when we first opened the first space, I didn't work there. So I was mm -hmm. still working for right fit sure. for training. And then at a certain point, uh, the, the goal had always been to eventually work at two XL. Mm -hmm. I wanted to get a certain level of clients there, but it just, it was so hard. I was like working in two spaces and our hours were really, really limited when we first opened. And then eventually I said, all right, you know, I'm just going to have to push everything in and put all my effort into two XL. And, Quit my day job at Wright Fit and worked full time at at uh, at Two XL. No, no fear. <laughs> yeah, um, and then when we went from you know the the very small space with a very very reasonable overhead to the bigger space, I was concerned. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, looking back, the overhead still wasn't bad, but it was still concerning because it was such a big space. Sure, you know we went from it's a, it's three thousand to cover three thousand to twelve thousand square feet. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, it was a, it was a good solid leap, and we looked at. Uh, when I did the pros and cons lists, mm -hmm. it was uh, first off we were, were concerned we were going to start losing lifters. Yeah, um, because if you can't get it equipment, you're going to lose them. So there, there was some of those to consider. The other thing was 
that we weren't going to have to go and rent locations to run meets. Sure. Right. And because of the demand on meets, and we'd started that um, the program for uh, beginners. Beginners, yeah. Beginners yeah. meets, yeah. Um, that we saw that the larger space was going to actually do well for us. And then, you know, my company, I paid out the uh, uh, significant portion of the opening, you know, of the mm-hmm. build-out cost yep. and rented an office basically in the back. Right. And um, that, that allowed us to... to, to um, not have a cash flow issue. Sure. Right. Sure. So, so you've already mentioned a lot of these, but you know, maybe talk about some of the other challenges that you've either one of you have faced. You know, with two uh, XL powerlifting, uh, just from the business perspective. I mean, from you know, you mentioned partners or what you talk about there. Uh, how the market has changed over you know the last five years. Uh, anything you guys can discuss about some of the the major things you've had to overcome, or some of the things you're you're working on overcoming right now. Um, couple of things. One is. Uh, be careful who you pick as partners. Yeah. Um, we we just finished uh, um, dealing with the situation, and mm-hmm. and, uh, um, and and I know that's a loaded question. I wasn't trying to do a gotcha. Oh yeah, yeah. But. No, no, no. It was <laughs> it, we we didn't we didn't start any. It was just um, something ridiculous that went on, and and uh, and in the end, um, I got fed up and just said, "Finish it." And we finish them. Yeah. Well, and if you don't, if you've ever thought about starting a business, um, you should be, you know careful who you choose as your business partner because it's like a marriage yeah um and, and why some, on earth would you pick me man what the hell well <laughs> <laughs> yeah well you know re- really what it comes down to is is eric um has the the meat capability the um exposure within the powerlifting industry and stuff like that yep. i've run businesses mm-hmm. and when we've gotten tight that's that's part of what i do that's awesome so um it's worked out that way. And then when we've had all the issues like negotiating this space, that mm-hmm. was, that was my responsibility. Sure. And we did okay. Um, you know, I would have liked better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I think, but you know, I, it, it came out really well. So, sure. yeah. And I think, you know, one of the challenges with any business is, okay, if you've got even just employees or you yeah. know, people that work with you is, everyone's got to kind of find where their role is. And I think Howard and I have always been pretty good about knowing kind of what our strengths and weaknesses are. I know that, you know, my strength is definitely organization, running events, knowing the fitness and training industry pretty well from being in it for many years. And so I knew that was my strength and where I could help the business the most. Mm -hmm. Um, I knew that Howard had previous experience, you know, working and running different businesses. So I leaned on him when it came to, Things like negotiating a lease and taking care of, you know, all those little hidden expenses when opening the space Mm -hmm. and, you know, simple things that you don't even think about, like getting insurance. Yeah. Um, (laughs) You know, those are things that I wouldn't even ever. Speaking of dumb. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's something I never even would have thought of when I thought of, hey, I want to open a gym. Of course, you need insurance, but I never even would have thought of, you know, what the process is of doing that if you haven't done it and have experience. Well, it's like if you go to a a mechanic and you know nothing about cars and he's a, you know, a crooked mechanic, he could say, yeah, here's your Johnson rod you need fixed. So it's going to cost you five grand. It's that blinker fluid, man. You got to keep it filled. Right. Yep. And if you didn't know, hey, this is a good or bad insurance cost, mm-hmm. you know, you could really get taken to the cleaners. Sure. Um, and I think when we talked about, you know, issues with having another partner in the business, it's, you know, Howard and I had clear defined roles mm-hmm. and we kind of knew 
where we wanted to go with the business. And I think we were in spaces where I knew that Howard had more expertise. I didn't, I didn't micromanage him. I didn't say, well, let me see all the insurance quotes that you had for the business. Mm-hmm. Like I would trust that what he did made sense. Sure. And I think same with him oh, and yeah. me when it came to running meets and uh, you know training clients and all that kind of stuff. And, but I think that's what's Wait, you're, allowed us. You're not asking for everybody's programming so you can <laughs> right, <it>. yeah. <laughs> do a reliability <laughs> test. On it. No, as a matter of fact, that's very true is when we get down to running meets, I'll mm-hmm. say, okay, you know, be careful of this and this. We got to keep an eye on this. Mm-hmm. But knowing the, knowing from a business perspective that appearance is everything. Th- things like don't let Bane pick the national anthem. Yeah. <laughs> you saw my look? <laughs> I saw all 200 whoever people yeah, yeah. were in that building. Oh, my look. gosh. Yeah, but, I mean, things like, okay, um, you know, awards. Awards yeah. are a big deal. These are these are appearance things people get. They're going to treasure mm-hmm. them. It means something. The logo's on it. And, um, you know, do you try to cheapen it to save save a dollar here and there? Or is it more important there is a co- that there is a reasonable cost associated mm-hmm. with that, sure. so people can be proud of their achievement. Definitely. So, so um, we'll 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 once in a while have a quick discussion. Okay, what's the budget look like? Da 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 da. Because you know we're, we're an events company. Yeah. Technically. Yeah. You know so that, that's another big thing. I think you guys have and you you guys have mentioned this as you were moving into this space. Is that really this was the evolution of two XL? It went from it was a space for Team Stone. Yep. To a gym. To now, it's I mean, it's a whole another animal. When we looked at this space, there were a couple of things. One was, oh, thank goodness, it's already built out. <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> just yeah. a lot of repair, a lot of repairs. I mean, sure. every toilet had to be rebuilt, and I got to remember all my plumbing work. <laughs> uh, wires had to be dealt with. And, I, I've often uh, said that I could have probably yielded more money back. Instead of going to training seminars, going mm-hmm. taking plumbing classes. If yeah. I could have learned to become a plumber, <laughs> based on what I'm hearing right now, yeah, it sounds like it. Well, there's been a lot of plumbing issues in 2XL. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I'm a tradesman, so uh, you know, I've been a repair guy for my entire career, and um, I even in I, I was part of the team that worked on the Riverwalk in Naperville mm-hmm. and and worked on the the historical houses, so. Having worked with that stuff, and then as a mechanic originally at Drysilker, I worked on basically the same systems mm-hmm. we have here. So, um, so do we hire a plumber? No, we don't <laughs> need a plumber for this type of stuff. I'm not going to hire a plumber to change the valve in one of these toilets. Um, if we have a problem in the line that's a little deeper, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Right. But when we started looking at this space, flooring was done and everything else. Um, we. We were looking at another space as well. Mm-hmm. It yeah. was close. Well, we to were the looking same. at a, a few. There, there was yeah. two that were really maybe. But we last would have ones. had the the rent would have been a little bit better, but the build out would have been more expensive. Right. So mm. in the end, this was the better choice. <laughs> sure. Well, and what we didn't throw in there was that you know we talked about those original two spaces were in the same strip mall near yep. Yorktown Mall, and it, we were always there under the assumption that eventually they're going to take and they haven't done it yet at least in the recording of this, they were going to take that space and turn it into apartments. But we sure. just, we didn't know when. So we're like, well, we'll just stick around yeah. as long as they'll let us. And eventually they said, all right, it's about time to get out. And that, honestly, if this coronavirus, I've said this to my wife, if the coronavirus had hit six months ago, or maybe more like eight months ago, nine months ago, I wonder if that deal would have gone through and we maybe still would have been at that old space. Yeah. And 
probably still closed as well. It was technically in China at that time. China. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, when when we moved, it was it was partly that we 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 had the growth mm-hmm. that required it, but it was partly that's all right. We we've taken advantage of this situation um in our in this building that's, you know, eventually going to be torn down and turned into apartments. Mm-hmm. And it's like, all right, now we need to find a more you know, I don't know. Permanent is the right name because what's permanent in life? But semi semi permanent, more yeah. permanent location. Just well, they're not they're not planning on tearing down this building, right? Exactly. So, so there there it was a different tearing situation. down this yeah. wall. <laughs> there was a different situation, and sure. Ba- and our move was based upon the fact they said you have to move. Mm-hmm. So we were determining whether we were going to shrink a little bit or we were just going to go for broke. And and um, this space, it just so happened to be here and uh yeah i think i had sent it to you and said i wonder what they yeah. would do with this space because uh, when you looked at the website of this managed you know real estate management group mm-hmm. they had advertised a space actually between the building we're in mm-hmm. and jewel and then when i drove here i'm like there's no space there that's no. a parking lot <laughs> <laughs> i guess they would I, I guess they would build a building yeah. there but i i think what you said to them howard was well at what you're offering for this space in the middle space mm-hmm. a parking lot you know and build it out why don't we just you know negotiate with us a space that's a little bit bigger than what we wanted but mm-hmm. it's already built out for the use we want it for which right. is a gym this was a blast fitness that closed because all blast fitness closed oh, and that was an adventure yeah. <laughs> yeah when we first opened here um through the first like i don't know two months it was constant we'd have people coming in here asking if we were blast because we didn't have the blast sign down. Correct. It was still up. The blast sign was still up because of, of delay. The, the, yeah, the, the person who we were dealing with for the new sign and had the, everything mm-hmm. on the roll had a health issue. Yep. So well, I remember dealing with some of those yeah, people. It was yeah, fun. Yeah. Yeah. We still had people coming in saying, is this blast, mm-hmm. does my blast fitness uh, membership, does it, you know, apply yeah, here? You're still no. charging me. <laughs> yeah. You're still charging me. No, we're, trust me, we are not. Nope. Nope. So, yeah, I mean, it, it evolved, like you said, Bain, into an events company, which it's a difficult business model right this exact very moment. During the current situation. <laughs> During the, quote, current situation. In yeah. general, it's been a good business model because mm-hmm. it's it's been something that has been able to use my expertise. Howard's done events, mm-hmm. use his expertise, and it's been a growing market. Yeah. Um, and, and then we're not just another gym. We're not just a, even another personal training place because there's there's, you know, dozens and dozens of places where you can do personal training yep. mm-hmm. and even when we think about just powerlifting now when we looked at okay where are their powerlifting gyms there weren't really any powerlifting gyms in the immediate area where we chose mm-hmm. um at the time there was some in the other area some of those have closed mm-hmm. other ones have opened up but there wasn't anything immediately right where we opened in lombard sure um so that was part of it but even then just being a powerlifting gym i don't think was or would be enough to, you know, withstand what we'd need to do. Right. Yeah. Right. And the other challenge was two weeks. We had two weeks to move in. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, normally when you get a space. <laughs> build out and move. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, normally when you get a space, it's like, you know, take some, I mean, some companies take months yeah. um, to move over. But I mean, I'll give everybody credit here from Team Stone and 2XL who helped us uh, because we didn't hire a moving crew. Nope. We hired Rudy's kids from Rudy's yeah. gym. Mm-hmm. Your spotters and loaders, yeah, guys. Yeah, spotters and loaders for meets. <laughs> 
paid them three days straight. Re- regular means not the WPO spotters. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> we use the grunt workers for this yes, one. Yes. And not, we not did how many team. truckloads? 12? 12, 26 foot truckloads, yeah. not including all of the other vehicles yeah. that were People bringing things over. Throwing stuff in their SUVs and driving it over here. Yeah. I, just amazing how much you can shove into a 12,000 square it foot. It was like, how much, how did we accumulate all this fucking stuff? <laughs> Remember that last load when it was like, oh, we just got a couple more things. Yeah, yeah, we just let your, everybody go. <laughs> a couple more things from your office, a couple of my office things, and we filled that entire truck with. We just, had to call people back. <laughs> yeah, gosh. Georgie, Tara, Jonathan, yep. thank God that they all live in Lombard because I texted them and said, Please, God, can you come help us unload this last truckload of bullshit? <laughs> and leading up to and after that, Charlie Stevens coming over to yeah. to help us clean and get the the restrooms ready. And, and as you can see, there's still some boxes around. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I haven't gotten to all the boxes. Well, and then uh, then I get more boxes. Yeah. When I haven't gone through all my own, Amy Jackson brings me like four or five boxes of Ernie Franz's stuff, which yeah. Eventually, we would like to turn into well, like, some kind of. Yeah, you know. we were going to go get that. We've got the 2,400-square-foot yeah. dance studio. <laughs> like, right. it's like, what do we do with this? We can't dance. Then uh, who was it that <laughs> who was the donated the Power Off in USA's? That was Bill Busby, and yep. then Amy Jackson donated yeah. even more. So Bill, Bill asked, and before Eric even get it out of his mouth, whatever answer it was going to be, I was like, yes, please bring them in. <laughs> So yep. I, I, partially it was my fault for even more boxes. No, but in. I like the power of the USA's. You know, yeah, I, had, good. I had a bunch of those because mm-hmm. I was a subscriber from the time I started in the sport until, I don't know, the early 2010s. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure I just, my mom threw all those away or I threw them away. I shouldn't blame her. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's, cool to ha- it's cool to have those. It is. Um, it's been fun. But yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of different challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, I think from the, and what we were kind of talking about is the business perspective. I think the biggest challenge was finding where that niche was and making, finding the area where we were different from yeah. every other gym in the area, from every powerlifting gym, from every training facility, and, and where we could be unique. Sure. And then uh, the other biggest challenge I think we've talked about a little bit was there were three partners, now there's two, mm-hmm. and that was a challenge legally and uh, mentally. It's the first time. Having been an expert witness and everything else, I've had to engage a lawyer for anything. <laughs> and I avoid lawyers like crazy. We were just shoved in a position we had no choice. And oh. spent about a year yep. on it. I, mean, I, I now have a, a new appreciation for lawsuits. You know, you and I, Bain, <laughs> talked about the Enzer oh, yeah. oh, yeah. uh, Franz lawsuit and the Franz IPF lawsuit. I can totally understand how that Franz Enzer lawsuit lasted from 91 until 2000. Three, yep. Because motion know, you, after motion, you can just keep motion. making motion. You can keep doing discovery. You can keep, you know. Oh, so I mean, literally nonsense motion. motions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but wasted motion. But hey, on the plus side, Steve Wars Bar really got started. So anyway, yep. uh, <laughs> but we we were we got the move done. We're here. Um, yeah, we we just got everything up and rolling, and and everything happened. Yeah. Now situations. Uh, right. Yeah, we were supposed to run the Illinois State Meet March twenty first and twenty second, yeah. and then. Boom. Yep. The coronavirus hit hard. And a huge piece with the move that part of the deal, part of what we looked at for for a move here was setting up permanent stages. Right. We've done it now. Yep. Yep. They're back there. And and, uh, 
So let, let's maybe shift gears now, Howard. We've talked a decent amount about the business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, let, let's go back to your other business. You know, <laughs> what is your involvement with the government? Because you've been to D.C. not just to the National Institute of oh, Health. Yeah, so professional societies. And this uh, started, oh, 1994 when I was the Midwest uh, representative for energy for the Institute of Electroelectronics Engineers. Okay. So um, I made my first call on the Hill as part of a group um, promoting what later would be called STEM um, and uh, science, technology, engineering, and math. It's a great call. It's a wonderful call. Everyone agrees. Yeah. Great so letters. so started no meeting letters. and and learned how the government works and it was uh, you you read things in civics classes and you're expecting you know, they don't Mr. have civics class anymore by the way yeah, yeah no, no kidding um, congressperson or or senator or somebody else there and you're expecting to meet with them instead you're meeting with a 22 to 25 year old who's literally Intern. running everything mm-hmm. so a majority of of what actually happens up there and and. Later in life, when when I put together different organizations, government relations group, um, warned everybody when we went on the hill that uh, this is what was going to happen. Sure. And at the time, the first group, you know, all the engineering and and science stuff that I did from '94 all the way up until we started the um, the uh, group for the Society for Maintenance and Reliability Professionals. Uh, which was my brainchild, mm-hmm. along with a person who had come over from IEEE to work for SMRP. Okay, so I got more acronyms. SMRP is Society, Society for Maintenance and Reliability Professionals. And IEEE is what? Institute of Electrical and Electronics Engineers. Okay. There'll and, be a test later. Yeah. yeah. So take I'm notes. still involved in both pretty heavily. Um, so we, we went in um, under the new group and started looking at um, how we could support Skilled trades, mm-hmm. getting um, getting funds back in for skilled trades, and worked with multiple groups. Met with um, Congress people, senators, two trips to the White House, and got the Perkins reauthorization through, which funded CTE, yep. continuing Thanks. technical education. Yep. We used to call it vocational. I think they call it day. career career technical yes, education. Career, yeah. Yeah, well, it's actually continuing in technical education. I'm but, just telling you what Jackie tells me. Okay, <laughs> no, okay, they can call it whatever they want. That's that's what it was, and it was actually started by one of the Congress people near here. Okay, so the next, the next, but next you district. But college group. degree to really make it in life. Yeah, that was my impression of the SpongeBob. Yeah, let's just say I don't use much of my PhD for what I do for a living. I don't use either <laughs> It's so asinine when I look at. So you've been going to DC basically to advocate for these various groups and for you know CTE education, STEM education, that kind of thing. OSHA, and then I'm responsible right now for cybersecurity. Mm -hmm. So I deal a lot with Department of Homeland Security and uh, others. It seemingly has nothing to do with any of the other things you do. So it's always like, it's like where does cybersecurity fit into all this? But I know you sit on. Some kind of committee related well, to cybersecurity. Well, with electrical motors, you actually have a very high level of security because those can be potentially hacked. And well, not not the motors, but all the controls, well, the controls and everything else around it. So um, the the number one way hackers have gotten in through to hospitals and everything else have oh, been yeah, through the maintenance systems. Yes, yes. And as a matter of fact, the hack that hit Target, yes, the AC um, system, one came through a HVAC contractor. Yeah. So. Um, they didn't make the mis- they the only thing they did was open up an email. So don't touch the thermostat, goddammit. Yeah. Um, and don't open up phishing emails either. Oh, oh my god. god. That's well Did we we get huge? them. 
like it is on a, it is a thread. Uh, we, we use Slack at work, yeah. so it's a messaging system. And there is a thread that all it is is the different phishing emails that we get daily. Yep. Multiple people throughout our company daily get these phishing emails. And I think sometimes you could, they can make it look you know somewhat official. Like I know Jackie and I, we've got probably gotten every other day for a while, we've been mm-hmm. getting these emails that say, your AT&T email is going to close. Please yep. log in here to make sure. And she's like, is there something wrong with our email? I'm like, no, no there's nothing wrong with our email. Always click, email. click on the sender because that'll tell you what it yeah. is. Right. So, so often people see in Facebook and LinkedIn, if they're hooked up with me, I'll put out something weird <laughs> about cybersecurity. Watch out for this mm-hmm. because I get some of the warnings and, and I even had sure. fun once and, and got to get up in front of a group and, and I'm sure the guy who invited me will watch this, but, um, got to get up in front of a group at a smart industries conference and we had a large company's head of security Mm-hmm. who leads security in the industry and on stage in less than five minutes, I opened up one of their SCADA systems. Oh boy. And displayed it. So basically you Tony Stark him. <laughs> Pretty much. So, so that goes back to, I'm, I'm an old computer nerd from like the 1980s mm. back when certain shows were certain movies were really popular. Hackers. Yeah. So um Howard's not the guy in the basement, you know, saying your squad is high. He's not that dude, but he'll he'll still bring it. I'll computer. find the guy who does yeah. it. Yeah. Right. It, He's it, not joking about <laughs> that. <laughs> because Howard has had a shadow for a couple of years, which he probably doesn't want to t- say too much on, but I, uh, but yeah. And and I go, Yep, here he is. <laughs> <laughs> this is a picture of his house. That's and another guy do something similar and, and so I sent him a picture of his house. And see, see I do that jokingly. Like I'll tell people, like, yeah, you should move that couch like three inches to the left. It'll bring out the the openness in the yeah, room. No, kind of fuck with their head, but that's, yeah, that's no. really creepy. You, you can do it. <laughs> there's, so. there's, there's, you know, there's, there's legal ways of doing it, and it's there, and and you just have to know how to do it. And um, I've had that experience. I've been a programmer. Sure. One of the companies I was at, uh, I thought there should be a software that went with the instrument. Mm-hmm. So. On airplanes in the hotel rooms, and even in China and Beijing, designed China. it. China, China. <laughs> been there, <laughs> done that. Not recently, folks. Yeah, no, not two thousand two. Yeah, oh, we we have a wall right here between us, so we're yeah. fine. <laughs> Big plastic thing. But um, excuse me, <laughs> <laughs> silicone, sir. Yeah, yeah, silicone. Um, yeah, and then the last part. So cybersecurity and uh, uh, smart grid. Okay. Smart so grid is what the uh, the power the power grid. Okay. So you you lost for the Internet of Things too, correct? That, that all the cybersecurity or yeah, okay. that's part yeah. of that's a huge piece in cybersecurity right. because all the describe Internet of Things to people who yeah, don't know. Okay, nothing Internet what that of means. Things are things <laughs> like your security cam, like the security cameras we put in here. Sure. First thing I did was remove all the default logins and passwords. Mm-hmm. That's the simplest way to protect yourself because security cameras. Mm-hmm. And just cameras in general, even your phone cameras, mm-hmm. um, can be used as what a part of what's called a botnet and used to attack others. Mm. Okay. It's also certainly never used by the government to look at what we're doing. Never. 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 I've, I've not seen it in action at, at all. Never. Amy at, Jackson at, is one that's got a little, a little uh, <laughs> piece of tape over the, the whatever camera on her laptop that I, I have. I had the slider on mine. Yeah. Actually, it's funny because you're less likely to get spied on by the government because trust me 
there is no way to keep anything secret. Yep. Um, but like, you are more likely right. to get spied on by the 17-year-old in Russia or the Middle East. Russia. Or North Korea. Collusion. Yep. Because um, they can turn on that camera and not have the light come on. Sure. So that, that when people go off on conspiracy theories about the government, not to get too off on a tangent, but, <laughs> but having talked with Howard and mm-hmm. my dad worked for the government and was an auditor, so he looked at, you know, the my, things my that, grandfather's worked in the Pentagon. Right. The, the, these things that the government did that were so far off. When people talk about government conspiracism, like, what makes you think that even if the government could do that conspiracy theory, how could they ever keep it quiet? Exactly. Well, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, you, I'm talking the, the big, I, the I, big I, conspiracy you, you, okay, you use the thing called the Clinton method. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody commits suicide. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. Yeah. So <laughs> this just got demonetized yeah. on YouTube. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> <laughs> so in, when when I when I deal with the government, I mean seriously, I, I you know like NIH <laughs> and stuff like that. It's it's just like going into most commercial businesses the nice thing is my company is a veteran-owned uh, small business so yeah. yeah i don't think you mentioned that howard you well you did you did talk about yeah, a little bit how are you in the navy yeah, but yeah. You're, uh, you're a veteran in the navy for how many years i just did four just four years okay and then and then a year and a half is a uh, uh um call it oh. <laughs> reserves oh okay <laughs> uh, active it. reserves i decided to do active just you, for fun. you didn't you didn't do any civilian work for them correct like a like civilian contract or anything oh yeah okay still do um uh, Coast Guard was a big one. Okay. Reliability centered maintenance, how to keep the old fleet still running while they work on the deep water. Keep the floating. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's and, uh, thing. I got involved in a big one having to do with the generators on them. It was, it was a, a serious deal. Sure. Uh, for the Navy, um, accidentally. So a lot of times big discoveries are accidental. Uh, my son is one of the patent holders for the iPhone 5 adhesive for the, yeah, you didn't know that. Oh. It was an accident, he says. So he he was interning at a at the place that uh, was developing the adhesive for them, and huh. stumbled across it. And he That's graduated crazy. from UConn as a first chemistry student with a patent. Huh. So um, now I've dated myself too. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, let's just to, so yeah, yeah. We we should move on, and cool. I could well, go on forever. This was important. So there's. The current situation we've talked about, it, there's so much going on. Obviously, Howard, you've got experience with, uh, you know, our legislative system and and working on on the Hill and with those folks that are working with the people that help put this thing together. Uh, the CARES Act. Can you can you tell us a little bit again? Fifty thousand foot view of what the CARES Act is. Uh, you and I talked a little bit about what the CARES Act isn't and all the uh, all the extra flavor that comes at the end. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, so, so you want to walk us through that. So just to be clear, I have been involved in legislation. Mm-hmm. I was not involved with the CARES Act. This is not a Howard Penrose <laughs> no. joint. No, no, I was involved in in certain other things related to cybersecurity and, and infrastructure and so on, but not this. Um, which, when everything got started and everybody was in a panic and worrying about it happening in a couple of days, I reel back to 2008 and I remember specifically an act that came out to bail out the, um, the, uh, uh, automotive industry. No, first the The automotive industry would have been just fine, except they signed the other act that supported and bailed out the banks. Oh, the banks. Right. And that was done in just a couple of days and it was rushed through and people flew in them. 
Ask, ask my client David Burstan. His, yeah, it's true. His his failed. Yeah. So uh, the the too big to fail ones. Um, so they they went in and they did something in a couple of days, not thinking, and having included in that act that you had to have a triple A credit rating in order to borrow large sums of monies as a business. None of the automotive industry is AAA. So all of a sudden, because we knew the industry was shrinking at a controlled pace, um, the industry was borrowing a quarter ahead. Okay, for cash flow. So all of a sudden, they couldn't borrow that. There was no cash. And that's why they all flew down. (laughs) Uh, By the way, uh, in the way that they were required to by law, Mm -hmm. Uh, as individuals and not as a group. Okay. And we're, we're, we're going back to 2008 right now. Yeah. So okay. they, they flew down and then all of a sudden um, the world turned on the automotive industry. Well, guess what ends up happening? You get loan money and the government decides to take over your industry mm-hmm. or start controlling your industry. You lose first place position and all kinds of other nasty things occurred as a direct result. Mm-hmm. So um, we are just recovering from that. And when I heard they were coming out with this, I went, oh, crap, 2008. Here we go again. So everybody's panicking. The news is going on. And everybody's going, oh, my gosh, why haven't they done it yet? And everything. And it's dragging on too long because it wasn't instantaneous. Mm. So it taking longer. And I think I even commented about this on social media. I was really happy with that. Sure. They try to be thoughtful about it because, generally speaking, they tried to be because there was a a lot riding on this act. Oh, yeah. I mean, literally hundreds of millions of people are going to depend on this. To put this in perspective, I never watch the news Mm -hmm. to get my facts on what's going on. I actually go to places like Mm congress.gov. And other places, and actually read the darn things. Okay. So can you hold that up, Howard? Yeah. Just, oh, this just to show the oh, size just, of it. So this is <clears throat> the act, and it's it's printed on both sides in small print. Oh my gosh, I it's didn't know that was double sided. Yeah, it's three hundred and thirty five pages, and um, but this, and this hundred pages or so here um, are all the deals that had to be done in order to get it passed. Can I, can I see that that backside? I'll give it back to you. Yeah. So that's the pork. That's the yeah. pork. That's so. The, that's, this here, some of them are legitimate programs. Oh, they some are. are. There's there's some. there's a few in here that were were really. I raised my eyebrow because I read this front to back. So in, in five years, <laughs> when you ask how the hell did that get through Congress, this is how, and this is how every piece of legislation goes through. Correct. So you you need to get the votes. So you work with people, and it it affects people now. Don't get me wrong. What happens is it affects people in the territories that the Congress people or senators yeah. are responsible for. So the co- the Senate bill was 200 and some pages. I saw that. Mm-hmm. And then this one was an additional 100 pages. It was luckily not the 1,000-plus page one, <laughs> um, which which included things that had that had nothing to do with this whatsoever. These at least are somewhat related, so they didn't make the news because they're not controversial enough. Good. Sure. Um, and that, that's really what it comes down to. I mean, I watch the news and I hear, okay, um, you know, uh, Senate, you know, Congress or Senate's not doing anything. And yet here I am working with the bills that didn't happen supposedly. Right. Uh, it, it, hundred 
100% pass, meaning not a single dissenting vote for the Perkins reauthorization. Which is, which is almost unheard of. Yeah. Definitely unheard Especially of. Especially in the last 20 years. I got to go and sit and, and testify on cybersecurity, and I had GT and um, – I, I'm sorry, I forget his name. Another another congressperson, extreme. You'd think they were extreme. They're no, they're middle of the road. Both really good guys, love each other to get to death, and have authored a whole bunch of legislation mm-hmm. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So um, when I saw this coming down the pike, I was like, okay. And I I, I watch the news for entertainment, uh, but actually pay more attention to what's really going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, nice thing about long drives, you get to listen to hearings, right? And then watch the news later. A lot of great podcasts. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I read it when it came out and uh, there is actually a lot of help. And one of the ones I was really concerned about are independent contractors. Sure. Personal trainers. Every time. Small gyms. Uh, we we literally were looking at whether or not we fell down a very thin hole or mm-hmm. not. Yeah. Um, you know, it... it 2XL is designed to to survive this in any case. Sure, sure. But, you know, what is there? Yeah, what is there, Howard, for for small businesses, you know, small gyms, then people that might be listening to this, what is there in there, you know, as far as the SGA loans and grants that may or may not be available to SBA, them? SBA, Small Business oh, sorry. Association. Yeah, SBA, sorry. sorry. Um, yeah. I, I, um, typo. Typo, yeah. But um, the CARES Act um, – provides for us, as a matter of fact, our, our industry, uh, because of Uber. So uh, for, for those yeah. who don't know, I used to work for Uber. <laughs> and not driving, I actually worked for the corporate office that well, worked for Uber. Yeah, the, the companies like that were, mm-hmm. were um, the employees the, and there's the a gig, large, the gig economy. The gig economy. Yep. Um, there's a large portion of them and they are visible to people. That's the key. Correct. Gyms? Why is that gym open? Well, you know, because people are trying to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the gas station across the street that probably hasn't been cleaned in since, you know, 1995. Right. Is open and selling CBD oil. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's you know, fine. It's essential. But the gym across the street is, you know, yeah, dirty. Yeah, and a tobacco shop is essential. You know, yeah. that's... <laughs> the, the vape shop up the road, totally essential. Oh, yes. Totally right. essential. Yeah. Right. And totally clean. Totally. But... Tax revenue. Seriously. That's so, um, it goes back to my theory. I agree with Chris Rock. Follow the rich white guy. <laughs> you ever want to see what's going on? Follow the rich yeah, white guy. Yeah. There'd be more gyms open. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, so there are a number of areas. One is immediate, and that's uh, what's called the EICDL. And don't. I, I couldn't tell you right now. It's emergency Exidal. disaster relief. Exidal. Got it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So so that actually provides some interesting things. One is an it's an economic relief package mm-hmm. for disaster areas. And when they declared the U.S. a disaster area, which only happened a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. it then made us all able to apply for it. It's right. specific for COVID-19. Um, so if you go to the sba.gov mm-hmm. and you go in there and you go under disaster relief, mm-hmm. now two things. As I go through this, they are really, really worried about fraud. 
So they have already put an entire department together in parallel with this to go oh. after fraud. Mm -hmm. And they're talking about fines of $250,000. Well, because how hard is it to form an LLC and just form a quote business? Yeah, right? and, and, and five years, up to five years in jail. Yeah. And, and there will not be a lot of leeway on that. Mm -hmm. Because what they so did is- So my Instagram fit tea business probably would not yeah. fall under this. No. A lot of people have asked me about you know my skincare routine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of self certification up front, uh -huh. and on the back end, um, you have to provide evidence of all of it. Sure. So, so it's a lot of this is going to be we're going to cut checks to give people what they need up front, fast, fast, and but well, as fast as the government does. That, I mean, a big caveat to I mean, that. Yes, a, I would say if there's one thing the government does decently, it's cut checks. <laughs> yeah, they do, they do. But they're to your point. Uh, they're going to come around and just say, hey, how's uh, how's that loan doing? Yeah. And, and basically, that's going to be done partly through the banks. So, the mm -hmm. banks will be reporting back on stuff. Okay. And they're also going to be so, following the businesses. So, the initial the thing you talked about is, is, is that through a bank or is that just- So, the disaster loans, yes. You have to have a bank account. You have to be in business prior to February 20th. Okay. So, starting a new business does not count. Um, but I was thinking about it. Yeah. Well, so, if so you were actively fun. if you were actively doing business, uh, they prefer that you have had employees, but mm -hmm. sole owners mm -hmm. uh, who uh, and and independent contractors who don't have employees do fall under this this uh, CARES Act. So right now, first one is disaster relief. Sure. So disaster relief is a separate line than the Paycheck Protection Program. So you go into the SBA.gov and you go into, you just click on the COVID section, you go down to um, the large icon that says disaster relief, and it'll take you in there and there's a middle button that says disaster relief. Click on that and um, I highly recommend reading the background information behind it. There's links to PDFs. Mm -hmm. Uh, to make sure that you are not about to violate anything. And it's about four or five pages in length. And at the end, you can check a box. And if you are a gym or a small business that's in trouble because of this. Mm -hmm. the, um, the current situation. The current situation. Yeah. The pandemic. Ooh. That's why I'm here. Bigger word. <laughs> current situation is um, is a $10,000 basically forgivable loan. So it's a grant. It's a grant. Yeah. Right. It's deposited directly into your existing bank account. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you will also get a call to find out what additional funds are needed. So it, it, mm -hmm. that's the first path for emergency that's funding. basically the, the bridge money. It's, it's a bridge. Yeah. And I believe it. it's up to 25,000. There's another one for up to 25,000. Mm -hmm. That's actually called the bridge loan. Okay. And that's an, it's a true loan up to, I think four and a half percent or okay. somewhere around there. Um, all of the other COVID-19 related loans are supposed to be in about the 1% range. Okay. Okay. So that's the first, that's the first path. So if you've got operating costs, rent and things like that, Rent, even the Wi-Fi you use for business, yep. all counts as a forgivable loan. Okay. And that's all being handled. Up to a certain percent. And that's all being handled through your local bank, generally. Uh, yes, yes. So banks are the, the outlet. So like the check we're getting from the IRS, mm -hmm. that's technically not from the IRS, but it's the quickest way to get the funds to people. And, and is it accurate that this is supposedly, again, this is what I've read, that that is a 
basically a front for your 2020 taxes? I'm using the wrong word, but. No, that was one of the big worries, and okay. uh, it's not. It's not. So this is, it is a stimulus check. This is here, pay yeah. your bills. It's being handled as Got a refund. Got it. So it's a secondary refund. Just as a method to get the funds to us. Got it. There will be, there may be, the way the act is written, there may be more. Saw that, yes. Yeah. So it and now we're be, talking about individuals. Maybe right, a, right. A, an individual to add her to the deduction for, for next year. So uh depends on how, because how this is written mm-hmm. and how it's rolling out are two different things. Very sure. true. So yeah, I can read this front to back and say, this is what's going to happen, and it's not what's going to happen. Right. Because you're always going to have, you know. There's always little side there's, there's regulatory there's a, agencies that are implementing this. Or even better, you've got all of the special interest groups that have yep. already mobbed um, uh, mob DC because there's $2 trillion being given away. Sure. Sure. So Does this apply to farmers as well? Um, or is there a separate? There's a separate. There's okay. a whole separate. I didn't read through that part. That's because, fine. But yes, there are separate. There's separate coverages for agriculture. There's separate coverages for restaurants. Mm-hmm. Restaurants have their own section. Sure, sure. Anybody well, that falls under 27. Basically been shut down. Yeah. Anybody yeah. that falls under the NIAX group 27, mm-hmm. which are those types of services. So there's a lot of help there for, for restaurants and, and everything else. And, and it's it it looks really good. And how well it rolls out. And again, I warn people on a on a little short podcast I did. I'd just been doing some video stuff to mm-hmm. to um, get me away from my laptop so I can stare into an iPad, right? Um, and I I went through the act for about an hour mm-hmm. and I said, and here's the big thing. What it says and the timelines they put in there, don't expect it. Be patient. Yeah, they're guidelines. They're not hard and fast. Right. So right. for instance, um, under the Paycheck loans, everybody thought that was going to be instantaneous. On Monday, they could apply. No, it was a whole other week, which seems like a long time when you're at home. So um, the that's a separate thing. And what that allows is up to two and a half times your monthly um, uh, payroll. payroll okay. as a loan. Okay. Okay. So you can add, you can add a little bit more. Up to 25% over that can be used for other things. Okay. But direct paycheck, including independent contractors. So, for instance, 2XL has independent contractors. Mm -hmm. If we were to do the loan and we were to receive money, uh, we could then pay those independent contractors and that would be forgivable. Gotcha. Yeah, we're talking, you know, in most, I shouldn't say in most gyms, in gyms like this one, um, it's pretty common that trainers are going to be Independent contractors opposed to employees. They're essentially right. kind of running their own business. Business within the business. Right, right, exactly. Right. So so then for, say, for instance, those that work within uh, public sector is shut down. I'm thinking of like park districts or like the like nonprofits like the YMCA. Are those, is there a separate avenue for those yes. businesses? Okay. Yeah, not-for-profits. Um, there's certain rules that fall for them, including, sure. including faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Um, there are a lot of things there to help support and help um, people do the things they're doing now, help them serve people that and, are at home. And the reason why I'm asking all these questions is because we, we have a, a fairly diverse listenership, you know, and so yeah. as you look across, you know, the different uh, disciplines that everybody works in outside of the gym, you know, there are plenty of people that are just sitting at home, to be very frank, that are scared. 
They have no idea. And they look at it stacked like that. Hold that up again, Howard, for those who watch the video. <laughs> they don't want to read through that. No. You know, and so it's... Well, you, you can't. And if you don't have experience reading through one of these, right. you it's would just, go insane. It's like a different language. Exactly. It literally says, here's here's just a random shot here. Yeah. Any payments made to affect work-study students under this subsection shall meet the matching requirements of Section 443 of the Higher Education Act of 1965. And now you got to go find the Act of 1965. Exactly. Right. Every single line the, is And like that, that particular subsection. So. so you have to understand how to read it. Right. So that's why when they say, oh, my God, we only have 24 hours to read the Act and we have to vote on it, that's why. Right. And so, and so yeah, so I'm asking a lot of these questions because there's, that affects people in a okay. variety so, of realms. So there is... Also in the act, mm-hmm. that there's the section on student loan um, pause. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not forgiveness. It's right. a pause. And, and that's one thing my wife has been looking into because she still has a student loan she's paying on. Mm-hmm. And they've talked about how do you just not have to pay or are they pausing the interest? It's they pause the interest too. It's, 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 okay, it's an so, absolute pause for this period of time. So what if you continue paying? You, you're paying – you're just paying on the principal. You're paying on only on principal, or is that not clear yet? Oh, you can no, it's not clear. Yeah, so that that was the question my wife. There's and a I lot had. left to the individual. I mean, what they went through with the banks for just the personal paycheck, the paycheck loans, mm-hmm. um, they just spent an entire week all the banks trying to figure out what the rules are. Right. Yeah. I mean, and banks are one of the most after that 2008, you know, debacle. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. There's more regulations on banks than ever. If you talk to your banker, oh, okay, yeah. and you bring up a good point. A lot of that regulation was stripped. So what's really cool about all of this stuff is the personal, the big one is the personal guarantee. So basically, mm-hmm. if you default on the loan or something else, even though it's an SBA backed loan, you could still lose your house or you could still lose everything else. Or you sure. Under could normal still be, circumstances. You right. could still be responsible for things. That's gone. Right. So they're not doing that. For, for this loan, not previous loans. Exactly. Right. Just for this loan. Yep. Um, some of the paperwork requirements, not there. The fees, not there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go on, you have to go through your bank. You have to have some type of loan instrument, like a credit card with that bank yep. in order to do this. That's, yeah. that's part of the regulation. So you go in and then usually in the front page or somewhere there, it's, it's sometimes difficult to, to navigate to. Um, but there is usually multiple pages like Bank of America. Um, I would have had to fill out six or seven pages worth of check boxes and some basic information. Yeah, I think uh, U.S. Bank is about the same. It's like four or five yeah. pages, and it's very, very quick. Yeah, and uh, and other banks, not so much. Mm-hmm. So I took a look at a number of them, um, and you just put in what they asked for, and then they reach out to you later. That part I haven't done. Gotcha. So um, the... The upfront part, and they tell you what you need, and it's basically just evidence that that was the payroll mm-hmm. and what sure. the expenses are. Sure. Um, the uh, the other thing is, um, yeah, that's that's basically what it comes down to is just that. So, oh, oh, independent con- sorry, independent contractors and sole businessmen, so independent, sole yeah, sole proprietors mm-hmm. that don't have employees. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now, as of Monday, like 2XL, if we wanted to, we could apply right now. But for the independent contractor, if they want to go that direction to try to get a forgivable loan against what they would normally mm-hmm. make, they have to wait till April 10th. Gotcha. Okay. So there's there's a rollout period for all of it. Versus for us as the as the company, if we wanted to get that forgivable loan 
to pay the independent contractor, we could theoretically get that under this. We could do it now. Yeah. Right. right. Okay. So now the other thing is you don't have to pay against any balance of that loan for six months, but then you have only 24 months from the time you get the loan to pay it back. And the loan can go up to $10 million because they made the small business size 500 employees. Okay. So it, it could be a dangerous step. So the banks are paying attention to Mm -hmm. what's required. Uh, and so on. So what, if a small business is looking to take advantage of these funds, what are the potential issues in applying? What are the potential issues in taking it? If they take this this loan, which could theoretically be forgivable, making it into almost a grant, you know, what are the potential issues with that? There's always strings attached anytime the government gives money. Ain't, ain't nothing free. <laughs> There's <laughs> nothing, nothing free. free. Um, even Even some of how this kind of worms around is is uh, they may become more strict or less strict. Mm -hmm. Or if you're missing some paperwork, you could all of a sudden find what you thought was forgivable as not being forgivable. Um, You have certain limitations on how to approach it. You have now taken an SBA loan, so taking future SBA loans is not as easy. And not a guarantee. And not a guarantee. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, once you've taken a loan, they want to know why you need another loan. Right. So how this how this rolls out in the future? And just seeing more say. COVID is not going to do it. Yeah, and then of course there's the impact on this on the economy to begin with. Mm-hmm. Is uh, nobody knows? Literally nobody knows. There's well, and nobody because nobody knows how long this is going to last. I mean, are are we going to be able to reopen our doors on May first? Is it going to be June first? No. no, it's it's going to be rolled out, and and um, the information i have um looks like gyms and and open restaurants where you gather a group of people together even though we are not a heavy membership gym right it doesn't matter we still fall under gym right uh, anywhere where large groups gather will not be the first ones that reopen sure yeah i've heard because we, we we discussed this and and do not quote me on any of this, this is not official this is just being discussed yeah that we actually can't even get into our office. Our office is actually in Ogilvy, in the tower. Uh-huh. Uh, so we probably cannot get in there till mid-June. Yeah. Right? And that's actual like office. There's 10 of us. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, that, that does obviously put a, a big damper on things like meats on, I mean, the other than New York City, the heaviest hit place is Baton Rouge, Louisiana in the U.S. right now. And where is Nationals for APF and APF? Yep. Baton Rouge. But I would also expect that to move around a little bit, possibly. Um, you know, the the as each area, because when I was driving, I drove, I was driving on eighty, mm-hmm. or I was heading to eighty along eighty four to to Pennsylvania or into Pennsylvania on eighty mm-hmm. uh, when they made the announcement about New Jersey, mm-hmm. New York, and Connecticut, and all I remember was how heavy the traffic was of cars full of people and luggage. <laughs> heading west. Heading west. Yep. And so driving back and on I'm Friday sure, and from I'm sure Detroit, was hiding, heading back from, from the Detroit area on Friday, mm-hmm. I was stuck in heavy traffic and it wasn't trucks. Yep. yep. <laughs> there are a lot of trucks on the road, but there, there were a lot of cars full of people um, leaving the infected areas. Yeah. And to that end, uh, any truckers that do happen to hear this, we actually have a, at least a couple because they reached out to me. Thank you for what you're doing right now. You guys are some of the heroes that are not getting talked about. Uh, the truckers out there, obviously the medical workers, there's a lot of people doing unbelievable things during a very unique time in human history. Yeah. Yep. And 
all the maintenance people, all the construction yep. people. And I keep reminding people of this. Uh, I'm there's several times this week where I was considered essential. I I, I bounce back and forth. I'm either essential or not essential. Essential. <laughs> <laughs> but um, even back, you know, at the old NIH place, there there's still a lot of people there trying to keep everything going. Um, the buildings when I went down into Chicago, all you saw was the fluorescent shirts. Yep. Of the construction folks that are still right. working, so all of, and linemen, the people that are keeping yep. our internet up and running because we've already had a problem with that at home, you know stuff like that. Mm-hmm. These these people are still out there, and believe me, uh, I am already fully aware because one of the sites I was at, I knew some of the people, and they're no longer with us, and there was yep. no doubt about what had happened. Yep, sure. So it's uh. And that's, that's a heavy topic, but again, I just, yep. it, you know, it, it bears in mind if you know if you know people in those fields, man, thank them. Uh, essential workers, they are doing they're doing incredible things right now, and there are people that are repurposing themselves for, into you know essential. They're you know people making masks and you know, doing whatever they can to just mm-hmm. help. And so you know, to all those people, we we definitely appreciate you. So to to kind of wrap up, you know, we've been talking for a while here, and uh, I like to end things usually on a lighter note because I just I that's how I deal with really dark situations is I. I Use really crappy humor and dad humor. So, uh, Howard and Eric, how will we mega just make equip lifting great again? Hmm. Well, we hope that whenever all of this yes. is uh, is cleared up, that we can just run gangbusters for the rest of the year running meets. Mm-hmm. And again, we don't know what the, the the future will hold, but we're hoping to have a a very big. WPC Worlds and WPO meet in October, which will definitely how big mega huge, <laughs> <laughs> and of course you know um, plan for the worst, hope for the best. Yep. But my my impression based on because I I kind of look at social media, I, I look past the the nasty stuff, even though I I like to troll a little bit. No, the nasty you don't, people. Howard, you're like well, I don't troll the nice people. If I'm trolling you, it's because I don't like you. Okay. So <laughs> well, right that down. Yeah, yeah. It's on the test. No, I, I, I have, yeah. So I've been watching and kind of keeping my, a, a feel of the pulse of what's going on. And my thought is, and what I'm hoping for, is that we are going to see um, a mass in resurgence in people that don't normally go to the gym. Think, um, think, uh, you know, all the people that, that make their New Year's, New Year's resolutions. resolutions. Yeah, this is going to be a different take on that. But And what's interesting, actually. Because there's a lot of COVID mm-hmm. quarantine snacks being eaten right now. And there's a lot of people realizing yep. how much weight they're gaining. Yes. <laughs> and so my wife and I were talking about this as we were doing one of our daily walks. We do anywhere from one to three walks every day. And it's her and I. It's just me. It's all six of us, you know, just getting out, getting some sun, getting out of the house for fuck's sake. That we see and have seen over the last three weeks more and more people doing that consistently. And so I agree with you. I think there is something maybe a resurgence where, hey, my only option is no longer just walking around my neighborhood. I can go to a place. I can go walk on the treadmill. I can go, you know, people want interaction. I can go to a gym and talk to people. Yeah. And I, I, I agree with you 100%. I think places like restaurants, bars, bars. Uh, by the way, shout out to the 35 people in Chicago who got DUIs in March. overachievers good for you guys uh i saw that stat somewhere and i'm like that's unbelievable but there is going to be a huge influx into those areas and and 
good because people need it uh, as those things roll out. Because I agree with you. I think we've seen it already in China and, and I saw something about it in uh, South Korea as well where, you know, they rolled some things out and had to kind of pull it back because it got, you know, kind of too crazy. So there's going to be a very staggered approach to this, I feel, uh, coming back. Uh, but I do believe once we have, you know, full doors open, here we come and, you know, high fives are okay. It's going to be gangbusters and it's going to be awesome. We hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Especially at our, our road speaking. warrior party. I'm just everybody, speaking it, man. Everybody, got to, everybody has to dress up like road warrior. <laughs> like the pro wrestlers? No, like the movie. Oh, okay. I'd rather dress up like Yeah, I'd, I'd rather oh, just like fuck an animal. <laughs> That's exactly what hey, I'm hey. thinking. <laughs> okay, fine. I'll wear a Speedo. Uh, <laughs> yes. All they right. Wore, they wore uh, pants and they wore the football pads with spikes on them. Oh, that's boring. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Alrighty then. So, so I'm calling. I'm telling you now. Once we were able to have the team in here, everybody gets their own entrance. We all show up at the same time. Everybody gets entrance music. Everything. Oh we're yeah, doing it. Yeah, we're you doing it. Believe it. We're doing it big, baby. <laughs> believe it. It's gonna be great. Uh, so that is uh, another extra here on strength and anger. We got uh, some new content. We got the video. I'm like. To the, to the back of the video the whole time. And it will be the least watched one you've done. Well, we've done Very zero possible. videos. <laughs> yeah, so it'll be the most, actually. The least and the most. But it'll I be suppose. demonetized immediately because I said a lot of insulting things. So, oh, okay. You know, yeah, go, that's all right. Go, I'm, I'm used to it. It's what it is. So, uh, definitely future episode, we're going to talk about uh, the Yuri Franz book. Yeah, so, commandments of uh, powerlifting. Yeah, we've got, Bane and I have got a future episode planned mm-hmm. to do just a review of the Ten Commandments of Powerlifting. And then Three I think... one and two. Yep, and then I think after that we'll have Howard back on mm-hmm. uh, to the the podcast proper. Yes, and we'll talk about the republishing of the Ten Commandments of Powerlifting, which is a story in and of itself, mm-hmm. really outside of the book. Because yeah. I want to talk about the book, and I want to talk about the man Ernie Franz. Um, I've had a couple people ask because he me, very much is man, myth, and legend. Well, because I've had a couple people ask me about when are we going to do an Ernie Franz episode, and there's just so, so much. There's so much to cover. That it's hard to do it in one episode, so I thought let's do some pieces. Let's c- cover the, the the first the IPF lawsuit. Yep. Let's cover you know, and that kind of goes into the founding of the IPF. Mm-hmm. Let's cover the Enzer lawsuit, and let's cover his book, which will cover some of the general things. And then yep. Howard has got some some pretty cool info that his uh, his assistant Charlie Stevens mm-hmm. worked on. Um, she's did some some transcribed uh, transcribed uh, tapes. Yeah, and nice. we've got some other stuff that eventually we can dive into and do you know more of a look into his. You know, kind of his background. Yeah. So we've got some Ernie Franz episodes coming up, but the story of the republishing is kind of a microcosm of the Ernie Franz story <laughs> and what happens to a guy like Ernie I love it. later in his life. I love it. So that's going to be it. With that, with that, this is Eric Stone signing Howard out. Penrose. Strength and anger. <laughs>